Welcome to the one within all. It's the Interverse Podcast. You know what it is. I'm your host, Chance. And today I've got not one, but two Florida mans here to <laughs> not actually talk about Florida. Maybe there's some Florida in here, but we're going to be discussing something that has, of course, been a really popular topic in the sort of conspiracy spear, conspiracy of recent years. A lot of stuff getting pegged <laughs> to what is called Tartaria. And, on, you know, I wouldn't blanket statement, things like that. But I'm really excited to be discussing the one of the probably best guarded secrets of the ancient world and in current world, which is the magic in the music, the frozen music, if you will, that is known as architecture. Mm. So we got Juan, the homunculo- homunculologist, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally crushing over at the one-on-one podcast, making like weird movies and comic books and all kinds of stuff that isn't even a podcast. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. Kind of jealous of all this, all this amazing media empire that he's building over there. He's got a lot of books. Oh, got to plug the zine. Plug the zine. Okay. Yeah. He's got the magazine Occultus Mundi. We'll have to find out more about what that is. I only talk about that later. All right. Well, so we'll get to that. And then, you know, my boy, Romy, homie Romy from the rising from the ashes podcast. (laughs) Musician, producer, farmer, alchemist, all around fun dude. We are going to have a blast talking about they're kind of both of these guys are coming at this subject from slightly different angles. So if we were to maybe put a nutshell on it, this is a conversation about Pythagorean, uh, Pythagorean palaces and resonance architecture, possible etheric technology, the magic of mirroring Mm -hmm. the fractal of the microcosm that is our body the macrocosm that is in the universe in the layout and design of sacred sites and buildings and Masonic masterpieces. And I'm pretty fascinated by the whole subject because it came to my realization recently from my buddy Dylan's work that even the word palace is actually a word referring to wisdom because you have palace Athena and phonetically it's the same thing. And there's a lot more gravy to dive into with that particular word, but we have a lot on the table. These guys put together slides and they're going to be competing for the mic a lot here. I'm pretty sure because I mean, they have a lot to say on this subject. So 
sit back, enjoy the ride, put your diapers on. Roman said you might need them. And uh, welcome, my guys. What's up? Welcome back to the show. Yo, hey, yo, brother. yo. And we've, me and Romy have talked already, so we're kind of on the same wavelength. But the thing with this subject is that it's, it's so you, it's the same subject, but you can approach it from so many different angles. And that's what's beautiful about it because you can literally go anywhere with it. If you want to get woo woo, it can get woo woo. If you don't want, if you want to be more scholarly, how we interviewed a, a, a scholar, an architect on the architect mm-hmm. as magician. It is an actual thing. Uh, you know, you can take it from a scholarly point of view or you can go full blown woo woo and go off the deep end with it, which I think I might do today. Who knows? But it's going to be fun. But we've already talked, so we're not going to be too crazy. Oh, I think we're going to be a little crazy, but in a fun way. Yeah, there's a saying that like all all Masons are priests. Not all priests were Masons, but all Masons were priests in the ancient world because you needed that initiatory knowledge to be running those giant construction projects and building those cathedrals, which are technology that is currently not available. And I guess probably at no point was it ever available to the common man to comprehend how it was done. I mean, when you look at some of these so-called Gothic cathedrals, which is sort of an insult in and of itself, calling something Gothic back during the Roman times was like calling it barbarian. (laughs) Yet Mm -hmm. at the same time, those guys were ballsy as hell. Like the way that they would build the, the stonework, you could, I mean, it just seemed like it didn't even, you wouldn't even know how it would work or like how it would be safe. Yeah. You touch it and it might fall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just these yeah, no, like you really honest things. With the, 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 the Masons being priest, that kind of aspect, because, you know, and I have some slides on it a little bit later, but, you know, getting downloads, like where, where are they getting these, these angles, these dimensions, these dreams, these papers, these thoughts, these schematics to come up with these outstanding groundbreaking mind unveiling pieces of architecture that would, that would lay and break the cornerstone of people's imaginations. And then basically create a rift in space time of sorts. It's almost as if you needed to have some sort of shamanic training to become an architect like you're saying there. And so, yeah, I, th- I think there's, yeah, there's something definitely to that, sir. Absolutely. And, and John D was, he was a proponent for that. He under, he said that any architect needed to be skilled in all the sciences and the trivium or quadrivium, whatever it was, they needed to understand it because it is the most sacred art that there is. It's these buildings are, algorithms incarnated and i don't know if maybe Romy wants me to do my introduction which he's already heard and we can start from there and then get into the breakdown of these homunculi because that's what they are these cathedrals are homunculus and these architects were the demiurges to them so i don't know if you want me to start with my introduction and where this got me started into it so i'll i did a presentation with emily moyer uh, uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. And the presentation there was named Math Magicians, Number Forms, and Arquitectura Imaginalis, which is a term that I coined from Mundus Imaginalis. Uh, this weird concept that we can get into towards the second hour because it's, it's, it gets deep. And I'm, I'm referencing this super occult book that isn't even available online. I literally had to buy it. And when I got, when I got it, it had all this writing in it and diagrams. And that's because the person that had it before me was studying this 
material. And it's got to do with this exact thing with, with the imaginary architecture. It's is the craziest thing. What I came across the Pythagorean palace idea on the mirrors episode that I was doing research for, for homie Romy, we were talking about the mirroring of realities and I was doing some, some research on the optics Catroptics, which is something that that John D was into, where they understood that they could use their soul as a mirror to capture what Paracelsus called the astra, this this essence and everything. It, everything is magical. And Al Kindi, which inspired John D, said that everything is light and everything is emanating light. And I believe that the people who can control that light. So my light interacts with chances light, vice versa, and it creates an alchemical reaction when our lights meet. This microphone is putting out a light. That tree outside is putting out a light. It's interacting with me. And the people who could manipulate that light are the magicians. Those are the people who could use nature, right? Magia natural is using nature without, because theurgy is using out, out, uh, you know, higher beings to interact in the world. No, no. Using nature to cause change. You know, that's natural magic. And this is what these guys were doing back then. So John D understood that you could use the soul to reflect this light and charge things. So essentially these buildings that we're going to be talking about are talismans and they were charged in some sort of way to what I believe warp people's perceptions. I want to start off with the idea the platonic solids, right? We've all heard of the platonic solids, but the, mm-hmm. there's an obsession with the ancients for whatever reason to take incorporeal concepts and, and, and bring them to manifestation. That's magic. So when you have this idea in the ether, you know, it goes from the ether to your mind, verbal expression. So you talk about it, you transfer it to some sort of medium. So paper or a grid, or or you make a model out of it, and then you give birth to the actual model itself. That's why a lot of the, these architects of back then would use models. They only built things using models and that's the micro with the macro. So they understood if they can manipulate and understand this model in the small sense, right? In the Renaissance time with the macro and the macro, the the macro and the micro that they could build it. And I'll I'll bring up some pictures of some cathedrals that they literally threw out the models and they had to go digging for them afterwards and put them all together to finish the building because they didn't understand how the guy was doing it. But these architects would build these little models and and those were their saints. That was God to them because it was perfection to them. They were following strict guidelines. Now, this idea of, I'm going to quote the the book that I'm going to talk about in the second half, like all architectural forms created by the mind and sound, whether physical or psychic, they are founded on the platonic solids. And this goes back to Plato, Archimedes, all these guys, they wanted ideas to transcend different levels of reality, right? And it all starts with the cube. For some reason, they were obsessed with the cube. The Pythagoreans looked at it as, as a god. Uh, there, there are a lot of Renaissance era architects that said that they would refer to God in cubic solidity, right? Like the God in his cubic, they would call him a cube, right? The procreator of number. So it starts with that. 
And the Pythagoreans, who were essentially number magicians, numbers were not only quantities, but qualities as well. They had fixed, they had fixed or predictable geometric, psychological, moral, and even personal natures. And this is Hersey, George Hersey, the distribution of elements in a building, such as columns, doors, and windows, and their proportional relationships were infused with meaning that we cannot recapture until we examine the mathematical context within which the new, the buildings were designed. So this idea that Pythagoras said all is number, the way I interpret that is all is number hinting at binary code, hinting at some sort of simulation, hinting at there's can, there can be glitches or there can be viruses within the simulation or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the use of because mathematics is the the language of the universe, right? The 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 use of a mathematical formula, I think that's some sort of magic because in, in school they always taught us, hey, plug this incorporeal concept into this formula, the Pythagorean theorem or the the, the Thales theorem, whatever, and you're going to get X or Y or Z. But they never told us what these numbers or number forms mean. And it, I find it interesting that in the matrix, right, it's the number code and the characters plug themselves into the matrix, right? How we would plug things into these theorems or formulas or whatever it is to come up with these concepts that we didn't even understand. And they would always be like, hey, what are, what are we going to use this for in real life? Well, you're probably never going to use calculus in your real in your real life, but it's all about challenging your brain and all this stuff. Well, I think that mathematics, the ancients. They understood that if they could somehow encapsulate that macro into the micro being these buildings, and it doesn't stop with buildings. The reason that a dice is shaped like a dice, not because it works well, but because it imprints itself the best in your mind, that shape. So that makes sense that the dice is behind a lot of people's mishaps, a lot of people's gambling addictions, right? Because it gets well, about, let me throw a few things down on this one. The first about the dice, the, another way of pronouncing dice would be Dees. And Dees is one of the names Dees for nuts. the God. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dees is really literally one of the names for, for God of the ancient world. Uh, you can go back in the, the catalog of Interverse episodes. Actually, there's a Vibrant and Elsie King did this huge presentation on how you can basically drive everything in the cosmos out of the cube including mm-hmm. all forms of sacred geometry. It was really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Marty Leeds mm-hmm. has got some awesome stuff on dice in particular. But I want to point out... what chestahedron, right? So when you're talking about number and a matrix of sorts, language itself is a bit of a matrix. I think that is what is the matrix, not nature itself or the physical reality, because we have become these creatures that now interface with our world through language. And like Bodirad talked about, the simulation, his his idea of the simulation was hyper-reality. And as I understand and interpret it, he's referring to how through language, we create a story of what we think reality is. And the news is a perfect example of that, people that believe the news. And then when the, yeah, simulacra and simulation. And then when nature, when the physical reality, when your experience does not align with this conceptual universe that you've created in your mind through story, through language, then reality feels unreal. And that's my understanding of hyperreality. But so this number thing, whatever it was, whatever the priesthood was that created these types of buildings throughout the world, uh, seeded these concepts, these mythologies, 
that are all so syncretizable and so similar that it appears as if they came from a single civilization. Mm -hmm. They did this originally, I think, as seafarers who were traveling from place to place, holding on to secrets of not just architecture, not just the occult, but also of and and shipbuilding, of course, too. (laughs) And they were using trade. Basically, they had a trade language. And what I mean by that is, all the languages and dialects of regions where they went were able to understand these traveling adventurer priests, if you will, pirates, pirates, the ones with fire, because the words themselves broke down into number. And thus, if you understood how that number system worked and you were initiated enough into this numerical code of language, then you could understand dialects, stories, and do trade anywhere that you went because the the language words themselves become akin to sheet music in the sense that like you know people from different civilizations across time can read each other's sheet music that doesn't change you know that that system is consistent from people that speak different languages all around the world so the architecture side of this being called frozen music because it's incorporating these divine principles and this divine number the ideas that are there are translatable across time and space and culture and language in a universality of sorts. And to add on John Balgiard, the hyper reality, the way I understand it is, for example, this podcast is a hyper reality. It's a reflection of what we as podcasters perceive to be our reality because we talk different. So we talk different when we're on a podcast. As soon as you hit that record, we act differently. We portray a different augmented reality. That's the hyper reality he was talking about when the map becomes the empire. You know what I mean? So that's the way I understand it, where the, where reality is a simulation of, of, something else. So for example, right. The, the typical Disney princess isn't based off a real princess. It's based off of whatever hyper augmented reality they've made the princess to be that we've accepted culturally. Right. So it's like, draw me a princess and you're going to draw Cinderella. Well, that's not what a princess looked like back then. That's what we've been portrayed from a simulation of a simulation to understand and accept it as reality. And it gets really convoluted because uh, that it's got to do with postmodernism and all this shit, but that's the way I understand it, where it's like a simulation of the real thing, but just augmented, you know, one step above. It's like when we're the uh, reality TV show, those people wouldn't act that way if the cameras weren't there. They're living a hyper reality. It's an augmented reality. We act different if we weren't right now recording this episode. We would act differently. We wouldn't be talking. The, and you know what I mean? Not like we're being fake, but the way that we explain things or go about, you know, how, how we change our demeanor by being on this part. Po- like this podcast is affecting our reality right now because we're acting different by yeah, being on I, here. For, <laughs> to, a, to a degree, and I think it's also this flow state that we hit that makes it different than mm-hmm. because of that resonating, resonating of light between us. Simulation is a funny word because before it got started, you know, being used in computer language and to describe mm-hmm. a false reality. The word really just meant hypocrisy or assuming a false character, a deceitful character, feigning to be that which you are not. And in a very interesting way, the priesthoods of the old world and, you know, the cult that still continues today 
the cult of the the middlemen and pirates, they have found a way to simulate nature through the abstraction of number, encoding that into their myth, encoding and and sky clock too, encoding that into myth, encoding that into architecture, and in everything all the time. You can just do gematria breakdowns of news stories and stuff, and it's in there. So I think that's part of what pulls people into the realm of belief of fiction is because the spellcasters have gotten so good at simulating nature mm. on an abstract level in a way that's hitting us in the ideal and, and making us think it's real. But I want to kick it over to Romy because we've been going like 20 minutes and Romy needs to get in here. Uh, well, one, one thing I wanted just to mention uh, riffing off of the, the princess thing I thought was funny is uh you look at some of these these dresses and it almost looks like they're designed to be bells like these women are bells like they they're they they have that just that really skinny top with that bushel on the bottom and it's the bell at the ball you know and you're just like whoa weird pushing that who's on Disney bell? movies Who, who's bell yeah, bell right? is the bell yeah. is the sun <laughs> one so of the that's of the sun god is bale bell bowl yeah that's and that's that bowl worship or you know you got um, so the word, the word play is really interesting. Uh, you know, you got palace, the phallus, you have angles, angels, and the dimensions and within dimensions or that altering time space mm-hmm. elevations too. And, and archi, like architecture, archi, one of the names for Maya or like the titles for Maya, mother of Hermes, but also the same name for the mother of Buddha, proving that they're mm-hmm. the same Mercury and Buddha. Yeah. And Maya yeah. also sounds a lot like Mary. Adonis's mm-hmm. mother was Mira. So it's the same archetype. And one of the epithets for Maya was Maya Arche or Arche. So it's mm. kind of like Pallas Athena. But then that word arc, you know, it's the arch. It's a powerful structure. It's also thus the dome above us and rulers or a ship or a boat. So in co- <laughs> or you can even get to the, a bow, like uh, to to fire arrows with. There's all these oh, yeah. different things that the arc, archy, arch is encoding too. And that there, so brings up an important point that when you start to look at these ancient, you know, uh, antiquated architecture and their purpose and function. Now, that's that's really important to why they were built, where they were built, how they were built, and who built them. And those importance of them being built together in a, in a symbiotic type of way. So a masculine type of building and a feminine type of building holding those archetypes through and through as the temple of the body and the body of the temple and that cohesion together because they were built as one was emulating towards earlier as a harmonculus, as a, as a baby, as a, as a living being. So you are going to have those those that yin and that yang you're going to have both of those buildings you're going to have buildings that are going to have a lot of spires and they're going to have more things protruding out of them then you're going to have these flowy beautiful buildings that look like a bell that look like a woman wearing a dress that look like a could be potentially a womb you know this this something that you want to cradle yourself into to create comfort and warmth as a mother so these different buildings that have these qualities that have archetypal qualities tied to them, as well as these celestial qualities, if you will, just to harness in the godlike div- uh, 
the godlike divine energies and the vibrations. That's important you too. It because when I brought up Maya Arki, I wanted it to sound like we are saying that these buildings, which are palaces of sorts, and sometimes literally called a palace, Palace Athena, Palace Minerva, wisdom, mm-hmm. they are a sort of womb in the sense that you're meant to give, you're like creating a home for the God to live within inside in stone yeah you know and there's a very much a womb aspect to that it's 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 alchemy and to add on to what i've been saying so the the cartesian coordinate system which with trinity cart was obviously the one that talked about mind body dualism he came up with the cartesian coordinate system and i remember reading a book that and by the way he inspired Leibniz, the guy who made binary code and the guy who made binary code would, would talk about how your ideas and your thoughts can manipulate reality. So the law of attraction and all these things. So Rene Descartes inspired him and allegedly he had this secret journal that Leibniz went after he had died to copy down and break this crazy cipher that, that Rene Descartes had, but he made the Cartesian coordinate system. And I remember reading somewhere that he, it came to him in a series of dreams. But then when I went to go do some research that I was doing and confirm that, they said that he was laying in bed and saw a fly on his ceiling and he wanted to have a grid of how to find the fly. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. So that, that's the, the mainstream narrative. But the Cartesian coordinate system served as the bridge between Euclidean geometry and algebra. And when I was doing a, because I'm getting into etymology now because I see how crazy it is. I found out that algebra in the 15th and 16th century meant bone setting, which I found interesting. Have you ever heard of that chance? Well, cause I know you're into etymology. Algebra meant bone setting, putting together of broken parts, which I found, I was like bone setting. What an interesting thing to say for the, for the body of the ma- the mathematical problem. I don't know, but it meant bone setting uh, at, in the 15th and 16th century. Hmm. So it served as this, as this bridge, right? Between the incorporeal, these ideas, and then you were able to plot them down on this paper. And, and, and grid and able to come up with you when you add that access and my background, I do CAD cam computer assisted design and computer assisted manufacturing. So I've programmed robots to make, to make parts. So I've worked with, with this grid, the Cartesian coordinate system, which is found in everything nowadays. It's found in an analytical geometry and any 3d designing, uh, uh, designing program that you've used has this system in it. I believe it to be some sort of mandala or almost like a talisman of some sorts, mm-hmm. or I would go, I had had it in my notes where I compared it to a, a, a Freemasonic tracing board, right? Because it's all about you're, you're supposed to meditate to, to be able to ascend to this other realm of things. Well, I believe that with mathematics, you're able to do the same thing. If you're able to put together the right, the right number, it's alchemy. If you're able to put together the right numbers and all these things, Something magical will happen. That's why the Pythagoreans worship number. It wasn't just a qualitative thing to them. These numbers were actual living entities mm-hmm. and they took that and they infused it right. The, in the Renaissance, they infused this into the architecture and they, and they said, if this can do this to the psyche, well, if a sympathetic magician, the law of contagion can affect people from afar, well, then we can do the same thing with these buildings. So the law of contagion is if something that has been in contact will continue to be in contact for X amount of time. 
So once you rub, once you enter this space, I'll use an example, the Great Pyramid of Giza. I've had friends of mine, I'm planning a trip next year. I've had friends of mine go into the pyramid and they say that the energy is different. They say it's working at 0.05% of what it used to do. But when you enter, you enter a different state of consciousness. And I've always wondered how certain researchers are able to come by. There's always, I think I go hard in the paint, but then there's always some other researcher who goes harder in the paint. Well, I come to find out doing some reading recently that some people quite literally are having some what I call ultra terrestrial knowledge presented to them. They're having otherworldly entities or they're able to tap into these higher dimensions within these buildings somewhere, right? In a secret society or wherever it may be. So where they're able to unlock some other sort of knowledge, right? They're able to call down on fucking Cthulhu or somebody to not Cthulhu to talk. Who don't knows? Call, don't call Cthulhu. <laughs> so I think there's a possibility with that. What you're describing, the piezoelectric effect and the type of materials building these structures, especially like mm-hmm. the great pyramids, that very, very much all so. that weight of all that stone being crushed, creating this piezoelectric field, which is like a plasma generating device. Well, the research that we got into with Dr. Greg Little a few months back is very convincing along the lines that plasma itself is a conscious being, a conscious entity. Once have you it's heard of rated and manifested in the world? Vincent so, Bridges. Have you heard you of know, Vincent Bridges before? I don't think so. So look up Vincent Bridges when you have a chance. He talks about he's, the angels. Next level. This next, next he's, level. He passed away, but he's next level. Yeah. And what's the he other one? Wrote Jay- the follow up to um, he wrote the follow up to mystery, of the cathedrals. What's the Dan Winter, right? Is the other guy. So these guys, mm-hmm. they talk about plasma being angels and how you're able to interact with these beings. Right. And they call it, I forgot what they have the book here. They call it the, the Ophanics, the, the Ophium, right? I think it's how they say it, but th- how you're saying another way of saying seraphim because it's yeah, the word yeah. Ophium yeah. is yeah. referring to serpents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, this idea that you're saying where, where the, this, this plasm, this plasmic being is conscious. Well, they've talked about how they were able to summon these things and use these, again, use these beings. They were occultists, use these beings for whatever thing that they were, that they were. And I relate this to, so the Cartesian coordinate system. And then obviously we got to talk about John D because in Enochian magic, they, there was a certain, there was certain furniture, certain tablets, right? Used in a ceremonial setting in a room, in a certain setup. The, the table had to be a certain height off the ground, had to be on, you know, each leg had to have its own sigil, et cetera, et cetera. I think the, to a degree, it's just mental illness. <laughs> well, you, you could argue that, but the Golden Dawn took that interpretation of Enochian magic, it even Crowley did, and they, they use these tablets where I think that these tablets, again, was a physical medium for these entities, whatever is outside the, the fabric of reality to come to fruition. So remember, I brought up the truncated pyramids, the tablets that they use. Well, this is a 3D. This is a 3D medium. So taking this incorporeal being in the ether and letting it manifest into a physical, a physical medium. Right. And that's why they say Enochian, Enochian entities are super dangerous and you shouldn't give them like a full 3D pyramid to inhabit because then they'll bring forward the destruction of the, who knows. Right. So yeah, to make a little more clarification on terms, possibly 
the way I would understand that transmitting a being from ether to a physical vessel is uh, uh, simplified by saying that you're drawing it from the realm of potential, you know, something that's potentially there you bring into existence in reality from the potential to the reality. Yeah. What, whatever the other side is. And that's why I, I termed it. I get that this, this imaginal architecture, the mundus imaginalysis, this imaginary world where it's, it's not quite imaginary, but it's not quite real. It's like the in between. And I think you're able to scrying they say is one of the ways to access this. And I think that this is the sort of technology that they were using in these buildings because you see it, right? So I can, can you bring on my screen real quick so I can talk about share the cube real quick and I have a couple of pictures just for reference. But at the end of the day, it goes to, it's all about the cubic. It's all about the cube as the procreator of everything. Um, can you see my screen? There we go. All right. You go over this for a bit and then let's get Roman swinging at it too. So we have here, you see the, the, the 16, the 32, 64. So this is just uh, a, a cut up cube and then they have the 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 dice in here as well and this is a guy cesariano which is a was a an architectural an architectural theorist right he was coming up with all these crazy ideas and so i what the cube represents is to the pythagoreans numbers and marsilio facino talked about this they could procreate with each other and i have another, a whole another section on that but what I believe was happening was how you're saying this music that's in frozen music, right? Well, I think that if pe the people who were initiated were able to quite literally see these number, what they called number forms. So I think of it as uh, some sort of cancer growing, growing and growing. If you were able to train the mind's eye to see these things, I think that's what would bring forth the experiences. We talked about earlier about how we're in, you know, how, a uh, reality show the people wouldn't act the way they acted if the if the computers weren't if the cameras weren't there well the same goes for when you step into a church i don't know if you guys have ever been to church i have but when you step into a church you're in a different mindset you're acting differently the church itself because you've come to believe that it's this holy place where you're there to worship has influenced the way you see and perceive things and the way that you literally act while you're there. You act like a different person because you're tapping into this, this other state of consciousness, essentially, but it's brought forth by the building. Now take that and augment it and turn it up to 10 back then. That's why Falconelli talked about these cathedrals being alchemical picture books for the plebs, right? For the, for the, for the peasants, it was, Hey, look at this. This is really broken down. And it was a story but then you had the way that the light came into it and the way that they heard sounds in there, the reverberations and the frequencies. And they, I believe that they thought maybe, Hey, this is, there's a reason. Let me pull this one up right here. I'm going to just add in there that with practice and with a language with you can, that you can comprehend something through, like you're not going to perceive that, which you have no language or whatever for, because that serves as an intellectual scaffolding to interface between mind and body where your senses are actually at so that you can detect something that otherwise other people wouldn't detect. And for me, the example would be since practicing tuning, I can detect the edge of somebody's auric field without necessarily seeing it with my eyes, but like 
I get a reaction in my body when I cross the threshold of their bubble space if I choose to be looking for it and other things too like that. And that's a trained, that's a trained thing that I believe other people could develop. And if that's possible and I experientially know it, then being able to sense the arithmetic <laughs> energy coming off of geometry and shape, to me, that seems plausible. It's yeah, phenomenology. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's phenomenology where your experiences dictate your reality and look that up. Phenomenology. It's, it's a study where the, whatever you're experiencing, whether it's real to you or not, or if it really happens, how you said, you said John D and Edward Kelly mental illness. Well, to them, it was real to them. That was their perceivable percep- uh, reality. They perceive these encounters with these otherworldly beings as real. We can yeah, all the that. parameters that they, I was kind of joking about the mental illness, but you know, a lot of occultists do get, a bit mm-hmm. uh, autistic with all the okay. things that they feel like Crowley. need to be all <laughs> right. <poisoning>. Up. <laughs> but, but all of those different pieces of the puzzle for ceremony set, serve as the language of you setting the intention for mm-hmm. the parameters of what you want to talk to mm-hmm. in terms of the, you speaking with the potential or the field. So I want, I brought this up. La familia, the las, la familia sagrada. So this is in Barcelona. And this cathedral was never finished, right? And it was made by an Anthony Gaudi. And this guy was a really interesting character because they, I, I recently found out that, check this, the interior out. It's crazy the way that they, that he laid this out, but essentially. It looks like sound waves in 3D, the way yeah. that they would show up on a computer in 2D, but like made into 3D. They, they are algorithms. Yeah, exactly. They are algorithms incarnated. This is what I believe that Pythagoras talked about the music of the spheres, but only he could hear the music of the spheres. If you were able to calm the mind, uh, low, you know, uh, quiet enough, you could hear this frequency that the planets put out johannes kepler talked about these things and i think that they took these concepts and quite literally built a building out of these things Mm -hmm. and this is made in the proportion of man right so you can lay down a vitruvian man here and he would fit perfectly and it's got to do with the chakras and all these things which i'm not 100 familiar with but again from what i've been reading but this guy anthony gaudi he is up for priesthood because they believed that the miracles that were conducted within this sainthood maybe I'm sorry, sainthood. Yes, sainthood. Uh, the 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 miracles that were conducted in this building were a a product of the building. Mm-hmm. They, they they attributed it to the actual building itself. They're like this guy, right? He under he was very religious and he understood that everything. He lived in the basement of this cathedral and he wasn't surrounded by 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 models of saints. No, no, he was surrounded by models of this. Thing. And those were his saints. That was his perfection. And if you look up the models, they are literally life-size models that he was standing next to. And they were huge models that he could walk into. But based off of that, they, he was able to, and it's still not finished. They're still working on it. But essentially they attributed, again, theurgy, they attributed the miracles to the building itself. Like that, that is mind blowing. It's like, what type, what state of mind are you in when you're going into this building where you're able to literally make a biological change within your body to where you're able to trigger a miracle. There's something much more sophisticated at work or is it all mental, right? That's another hermetic. Is it, is it, is it truly all mental or is it the building that's able to help you put you transport you when you go in through this, this door into this other dimension 
in order for you to be able to manifest things quicker. I, I a hundred percent, I've always said, cause I've, dude, I played guitar for my church for over five years and I, and I went around traveling to doing concerts and all this stuff. And I would see the way that these priests and these preachers would manipulate the crowd, right? They would it talk the way that they talked the prestige that they put out was they were able to bend people to dude. I remember when it was the guy praying for me and he would put his hand, right. Cause I'm Pentecostal. He would put his hand on my head and the whole thing, they all faint, right? They all talk in tongues and they go crazy and all this stuff. But he would, he would be pushing down on my head and some people would fall down. And me, dude, I was standing, I was pushing back until he finally gave up and he just moved on. <laughs> Cause I wasn't, you know, I wasn't falling for it, but other people were falling so. for it. <laughs> well, like these cathedrals in terms of the healing capacity, I believe that they serve similar to a tuning fork in that they're, what the body is able to do with coherent vibration in the sound form is it auto tunes itself. It basically, you see this with, I've talked about this before, but you see this with like nature all over the place that nature, whenever there's coherence and dissonance next to each other or like uh, off rhythm next to on rhythm, the off rhythm will mirror the on rhythm over time. Like if you put a bunch of metronomes in the same room, that's wild. And you set them all off at different times and you come back later, they'll all be going at the same tick. So heart heartbeats will do the same. And uh, women's moon cycles will also start to sync up on that same type of uh, cycle. And it's interesting because, you know, things work in cycles even though everything is reflective of the cube, you got the squaring of the circle, the, you know, the formation of a cycle putting that cycle in a grid and, and, and having it be traceable because measurement itself was held sacred in ancient Sumeria, Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt to be able to measure something, to be able to actually go out and take real measurements and to put value to a measurement and to be able to size something was so important in higher civilization and, and, and evolution of civilization to be able to take measurements and to be able to see it fruitfully do something, fit it into place perfectly through measurements, whatever that measurement may be, if it's even oral, if it's a literal, like, manif- like a manifested measurement of an auric field, or uh, if, if we were living at different times, you know, with, um, <clears throat> before we were dumbed down through years of bullshit. And our pineal glands were actually working at the true balanced state and optimized state that we could be. Then potentially, like you were saying earlier about feeling the like mathematic effects, you could be actually literally seeing these different types of, of, of waves and rays. If you were to be able to have a heightened connection to the earth and be able to walk and see a place with electromagnetic hotspot that might literally have an underground cavern or a subterranean water well, the people walking around with divining rods, you know, they had a, they had a, they had a magnetism to their body that in tune worked with the divining rods, which is something that is really important when we talk about this because you t- you brought up, you know, we brought up navigation, we brought up seer fairs, we brought up coordinations, right? This is the foundation of architecture, the adept ability to be able to place the building here. Okay, yeah, you got to draw the building. You got to make the schematic. 
addicts. You got to have the vision and you got to sit with God and have your shamanic experiences through your whispering dreams at night into your body. But you also got to find the fucking place for it to go. And that is half of the battle because we are building on top of the planet. We are in absolute cohesion with the planet. We are completely symbiotically intertwined into the body of the atmosphere. So we need its permission. And if we choose correctly with true intention and be able to manipulate whatever type of Schumann resonance or magnetic energies coming off of that, then we will in turn be able to heal ourselves. And that's where the symbiotic goodness and this higher echelon of religious understanding was with this, because you had to choose the place for it to go. The ground is sacred worship as you get on your knees and you go up and down, right? It's the earth that holds us still. And so we're able to encapsulate that energy through, through that. And it's, it's very, very important. And so breathing, I was just going to bring it up, breathing, closing one nostril at a time and, and equalizing your lungs and the hemispheres of your brain are, can allow us to tap back into nature a lot easier and calm ourselves down and be the true optimized humans that we can be because our breath is the most in control thing that we have available to us and it's free at cost free entertainment for hours. You want to go fucking be entertained for hours, go into the forest, sit down and put your numb on your thumb on your nostril and fucking breathe. And you'll just be like blown away. You almost pass out your dogs over here running around, sniffing up mushrooms and deer shit. And you're just like, I don't even care about anything right now. And then also got to grab a joint too. Can you pull up my screen real quick chance? Cause what you were saying, Romy, Right, they broke everything down to the four representing the cube four formation. It's the number of the demiurge. When you open up a cube, it forms a cross. They understood this, and that's why they were upset. The Pythagoreans were obsessed with the cube, and that these are called tesserae, so tesseracts, right? And they mm. would it would start with a point. So the 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 number forms. The number one is a point. The number two is a line. Number three is a plane, and the number four, which is the cube, is a solid. And what you're saying where you're able to quite literally see these forms, there's a name for that. And it's called synesthesia, where you're able. So the meaning is union of the senses. It's a perceptual phenomenon in which stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to an to involuntary experiences in a second sensory or cognitive pathway. And what are number forms? A number form is a mental map, right? Which automatically and involuntary appear, involuntarily appears whenever someone who experiences number forms thinks of, thinks of numbers. So a synesthesia is when you think of a number one and you see and you associate it with the color purple or, or the color blue, right? That's one of the more common forms of synesthesia. There's also Ideastasia, which is a neuropsychological psychological phenomenon, which activations of concept evoke perception like sensory experiences. OK, so this is what I was saying, because as I was reading Pythagorean palaces and you can take the, the picture down, Chance, as I was reading Pythagorean palaces, it would talk about right. The Rosicrucians talked about the invisible college. What if 
this invisible college is exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Maybe perhaps it is invisible or mm. how Tracy Twyman talked about the hidden hyperspace kingdom or in mm. Atlas Shrugged, the, 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 the valley, Galt, whatever it was, Galt Valley or something like that, where it's a place. But is it truly a place or is it a state of mind or is it a state of consciousness? But this is an actual phenomenon that is involuntary and automatic where people are able to quite literally see number forms. And when you go to Marsilio Ficino, he talked about how numbers procreate with each other and keep building on top of one another. So again, I I think of it as like some cancerous mass that keeps building. And who knows if you're able to either train or be initiated into these arts where you're able to quite literally see these number forms in these buildings or wherever in order to evoke a a, a phenomenon, again, a phenomenology where you the experience is real to you. It doesn't matter if I can't see the angels, John D. No, 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 you can. So it's real to you. You know, even if you're a schizophrenic, whatever, but still this idea (laughs) is, is just that. So I'm going to read a quote real quick. This is just what human thought is doing all the time. The human mind builds architectural forms dependent and determined by the nature of thought. Man is an architect in the invisible as well as the visible world. He builds with his mind in the super substance of thought subconsciously as well as consciously in stone. No doubt his visible architecture is a replica of the invisible thought forms, which he is all the time building in in his aura and objectifying for clairvoyance to observe. When he erects a building in stone and ornaments it, he is simply objectifying the state of his own mind and emotions and those of the community or period in which he lives. Styles of architecture thus reproduce community outlook. And yeah, dog. So what I think is up, <laughs> up is uh, I've been thinking this for a while that I think the astral realm that people sometimes visit is maybe the original metaverse that the astral realm is like the exact mm-hmm. same as the metaverse, but in the psyche in psychic space in the psychic internet of interconnection. The Akashic records. And that, yeah, and that's that like what, language, that's language, mythology, symbolism. That's yeah, what exactly. they tapping into. Right, right. This, there's a technology to tap into that astral metaverse. But my reason for likening it to the metaverse is because I think that it may be artificial, like that our language and our mythology actually built this overlay as a type oh, of information highway. Yeah, like, 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 like an egregore. Whoa, trip out. Like an egregore metaverse. Yeah, I Pull think this extra chance because I know Romy's going to dig this. Could but be. this that's is tight. what I think the type of places oh, they were using we for this type of thing. And speaking of the metaverse, I am part of a VR mystery school. And they have at the very end of this mystery school. <laughs> don't don't yeah, laugh, bro. <laughs> so oh, check this out. So, <laughs> so check this out. The, the, it's an entire building modeled after the tree of life. And at the very end, they have a golden dawn because the founders, a uh, uh, golden dawn, part of golden dawn. And they have a golden dawn temple and they have a room where you're able to step into it. Wait, in the VR? In VR, bro. There's the, you're they tripping. have the, the, so this is what I mean. I think that I think initiates of the past and probably some of the present have these VR temples and structures, but in the astral where 
some of the coordination yes. that occurs worldwide between these groups that seem like they're not connected yes. may be happening on this astral psyche level where they're like actually going to meetings. Cause I tell this story a lot, but I once met a guy who said that while he was on LSD, he met somebody in the astral realm and had a, sat down and had a conversation with them psychically and determined that they were going to meet somewhere in the physical world. And he went to that place at the time and the fucking guy was there. Oh, like, it's the OG matrix. It's yeah. when he's eating the steak, ignorance is bliss. You know, it's like, I know this, this, this steak is fake, but I'm still going to eat it because it tastes good. But I a hundred percent, I've talked to people too, bro, who say that they've been into the astral realm and they've seen dinosaurs, they've seen Bigfoot, they've seen guards of political figures in these astrums because they're susceptible to attacks in this other realm. This again, that's why it's the 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 Mundus Imaginatus, where it's this this higher state of being where you're able to enter and it's the consciousness just pouring out just just a bunch of shit. But I think that right, this is the the tomb of Rosencruz. You're able to see Yo, here. Hold, hold no, keep going, keep going. But also, really quick, just want to sidebar. I'm zooming in here on these names on the very bottom, and I see D E I M O L A. Well, this I is type- based off the the sigil the sigil of Amet, which is uh, something that uh, not John D didn't come up with it, but the angels fixed the, this version. Uh, well, th- I think this is the John D version, but John D had a version before that was fixed by the angels. But that's the whole thing with the Rose, with the Rosicrucians where they say that John D was one of the first ones to ever come up with it. So they were using a lot of his things, but I think Enochian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that these, right, these are mandalas, right? And I think this is the OG metaverse where they're able to focus on these sigils essentially and transport themselves to wherever they desired and Mm -hmm. through the use of light. And geometry, because these are geometric forms, and essentially optics. numbers, optics. Look at their tools. Look at their yeah, fucking right magic chest of optic tools. It's a, 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 a ball of scrymeers, telescope. What the hell is it called? The, the... God damn, bro. I'm drawing a blank crystal right ball? now. A crystal ball. Holy shit. Jesus, a man. A crystal ball. You have. You can't even <laughs> remember a crystal ball, but you know all this other shit. Wait, look, look at the three eyed glasses, bro. That's for your one, two, third eye to look bro, through. I'm telling you, they were. Look at this. Look at this place. Look, you have the, the, the dome. The light would come in and you, mm-hmm. you would go in there and you would transfer. This is sacred geometry. Look, this is the flower of life, which remember what that lady told us on that podcast where she said the flower of life was like some sort of portal, mm-hmm. right? So for people that don't know, this is the tomb of Rosencruz, like the the OG father of the Rosicrucian order, like Christian Rosencruz. Just because we didn't actually say that, just wanted yeah, to I said the out. the the tomb of uh, Christian Rosencruz. I said at the beginning, you did say that. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. So this is a little model, which I, I actually might pick this up. It's pretty dope. But so yeah, I think that that you know architecture like this, this is. This is a building being used as some sort of talisman, as some sort of mandala where they were able to, again, transport to a different dimension. And I love what you said, Chance, how it is the OG metaverse. And I do believe that if you're initiated into all these mysteries, the the Eleusinian mysteries, what was all that about? Well, maybe perhaps taking a fuckload of psychedelics and tripping your ass off into another dimension inside some temple and then the the freaking statues would come to life and you'd be like oh my oh my we're in olympus 
Yeah, this I've been Olympics. when I used to do psilocybin, I stopped yeah. because I kept getting freaked out by interacting with people that were around me that nobody else could see. And it was troubling. <laughs> I saw Baphomet, bro. I know exactly how you feel. And I and I did it. And I don't mean like I don't mean like uh hallucinatory. I mean like they they looked exactly like the people around me. They were just as solid. They could touch me. It was Whoa. too much. It was too much. Wow. So <laughs> well, I'll save it for the second hour. But but yeah, this is again, man is thus a creator and architect on a small scale as God is the great architect of the universe. Man in the image of God mentally creates forms which duplicate the greater force forms of the universe at large. And that's fears Moorish. And we'll get into that in the second hour because I want to bring out the, the esoteric gushy, gushy goodness. Well, let's, uh, we got, we don't have to rush to fit it in, you know, but as we wrap up the first half here, go ahead and talk about some of Yeah. We need to get some Roman slides up in. We can go longer. If you guys can go longer than two hours and we make the first hour a bit longer. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you can go Romy. I, I, Oh my God. I talked about the, cause I want to respect that I've been on another show and in the second hour was what I'm going to talk about. I don't want to put it, you know, on the first hour visible here, the exoteric, and then they'll have it, you know, it's like, why the fuck did I do that a show? You know what I mean? I just, and yeah, I want to yeah. keep it on the second hour for myself. To I think two and, a, two and a half hours is perfect for me with the, let's do that. Let's yeah, shoot for that. Got, so do have give us, sweet give us some rundown. So we have a, a closer balance of Romy to one in the first hour here. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to kind of, and Juan's going to riff off of the stuff here too. You know, we're going to talk about Vitruvius. Like it is more of like, I guess what you might consider exoteric, just some of these more famous architects for people before we close out and then pop over to the second hour. But that being said, (laughs) I did, I found a slide. I made a slide real quick while you guys are talking about the alternate nostril breathing. Uh, Nadi Shodhana, Shodhana Pranayama. (laughs) <laughs> it is amazing guys and so if i didn't make it clear enough you you close one of your noses and then you breathe i'd suck in a booger and probably leave one like get one out too if i was to do that bro like exactly you know. it's perfect clearing <laughs> it's perfect clearing just saying hey i just wanted to show you guys physically what it is and i swear to god it is the best thing before bed if you do five of these right before you're in you're Wait, lying so- in bed Yep. Do it at home, kids. All right, Romy, continue. We're not going to be doing this one. That's some good. Po- <laughs> no, that's perfect. Podcasting audio is just the sound of our nostrils. ASMR. Going. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there really likes it. Oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. So Vitruvius. Um, uh, people you know the wrong Vertuvius this is this is one one wanted me to pull this slide up when we, we actually sat down one night and we're going to make a slideshow together but then we ended up talking about a bunch of other shit for two hours so <laughs> Always we got two slides in there <laughs> it, uh, it does but uh, you can see that this is the classic Vitruvian man that people know from uh, Da Vinci right and that's uh, Cesariano. That's that's Cesariano. And then is, I have the three different versions too. I, I'm, I was going to say that for later. Oh, you're in. Oh shit. My bad. Well, the Vitruvian Maybe. man, 
Vitruvian mm-hmm. man. Uh, Vitruvius himself, uh, he wrote the most influential book on architecture known to man. Uh, it's called the 10 books of architecture. And he basically kind of was the forefather of, uh, like, like masonry and higher echelons of architecture. Um, and so he, to be honest, I mean, it's all kind of ripped off of what I considered to be more sacred architecture, which would be the Eastern architecture. I think that Indian architecture is more sacred than the Western architecture and especially the Renaissance architecture. I think that the true magic has always been known in the far East or in the East in general, especially in the Vedas. I, I'm, I'm, that's just how I believe I, I've, I love the Vedas. I love Vedic history. It I think that they're beautiful. from a similar source, but the older well, ones are closer yeah. to the source. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But the thing is, is the source itself had been contorted once the magic was found out and hijacked and taken to the West. Then it was used for more forces. Let's just say it how it is. You mean when the Vatican happened? When the Vatican happened. So the bells, you can look at the symbolism of the bells. The bells is a huge thing. We brought it up earlier with the dresses. Okay. And now uh, we don't want to get too deep into this because this is some real juicy shit, but um, it, that shape is a, one of the most sacred shapes that's ever existed and ever will. It is potentially, that's why you, they always say the moon rang like a bell. The earth rings like a bell. These rocks, they're hollow. They ring like a bell. It has a specific toroidal and cymatic significance that might be like electrogravitics, you know, like something defying the laws of physics. CSE, I don't know necessarily. Um, but you know the Nazi bell, the Nazi bell technology. Yes, and so you know into the occult they were. This is more more Western architecture, but it's fascinating, right? To think that every detail of these buildings held so much significance and function, function, feng shui, feng shen, and to dive a bit deeper into the trainings of the antiquated architects here. This is from Vitruvius himself. Consequently, since this study is so vast in extent, embellished and enriched as it is with many different kinds of learning, I think that men have no right to profess themselves architects hastily without having climbed from boyhood the steps of these studies and thus nursed by the knowledge of many arts and sciences, having reached the heights of the holy ground of architecture. So this kind of brings me to that, that point we made very early on and this will close it out after these couple next slides and you guys can riff on all the things. This is Ezekiel, the original OG. Okay. Vitruvius is the OG of like, okay, Greek architecture, you know, and, and that of the Western world. But Ezekiel, who corresponds to someone else in the Vedas, I can't remember. But, you know, he was he was given these prophecies from from God. And, you know, the Ezekiel wheel is incredibly significant, as is the original Temple of Solomon. And this just is to highlight the divine significance of the angles. And the angles are the angels because the angels or the 
divine forces are the ones that that took Ezekiel, brought them on, you know, their cloud up to the heavens, whatever that may be, if it's an Akashic source, right? And given him downloads of information, the angles of the building, these specific proportions to reach a higher dimensional frequency here on this specific physical plane. You can step in, you know, one second, be outside on the grass, vibing out, doing your thing. The next second, step into this building and these sacred geometrical functions and have a ascensional experience. And, you know, the wheel itself is esoteric and symbolic of so many things. I mean, this is Ezekiel's wheel. It rotated and moved on all directions. You know, it was ever moving. It was, it's a primordial ball. And that might itself is a sphere of. If, if you look at this cherubim and this wheel and then the father above, this is also encoding the triune nature of the sun. You have the creator above in this oh. triangle. You have the wheel, which is the destroyer, actually. It's chaos. It's the feminine. It's the yoni. It's the one. One and yoni are philologically. The own E, the one. The, and then you have the child, the preserver, the savior, the cherubim baby there. I wish this was better quality wild. so we can actually like zoom in on these. To add yeah, real people quick. can look that up on their own yeah. Ezekiel's vision. To add, on, to add on to what you've been saying, Romy. The Vitruvius was actually inspired by Daddy Pythagoras. So all of his ideals Mm -hmm. came from, again, the source. That's why the Pythagoreans are so important because they stepped, they stepped it up, right? They, they, they personified. They're essentially archetypes, right? The, these numbers. Yes. Number one is the moment that it's the, the thought of God. Number two is the duad, the duality, the yin and yang. Number three, the triad, which we're seeing right here. The Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the, the Hindu preserver, destroyer and creator, right? So we see this all throughout history. But what I love about it is that Vitruvius took those ideas, those Pythagorean principles and put it in his work of yeah. that the quite literally revolutionized architecture and uh cesariano was the one that that in, uh, that translated vitruvius's work into italian for the first time so that's how that's the role that he plays and he drew his own guy and then he drew the the erect vitruvian man mm. because it's it's symbolic of the procreation of number with one another, where they're, they're constantly creating, you know, two plus two equals four. And there's certain ways to, to be able to give a number, a gender, and it gets really convoluted, but essentially they show the Vitruvian man in, in orgasm because he's creating the world in real time. Right. And he is within a, 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 a square, right. The formation, the cube and the circle. Right. So uh, this idea is again it's it, it can get very sexual in some parts because that's just the way they were but it all goes back down to pythagoras for some reason and i want to point What's out the phallus phallus man the the god is adored in all temples with cubic solidity and then the cube having six faces eight vertices and 12 edges represents the harmonic ratio mm-hmm. 6 8 12 and was called geometric harmony and was revered by pythagoreans as the perfect figure and it goes from the cube to number forms to the perfect figure man to linea colte to corpo tra- transparente. So this is the, the, 
the formation of the homunculus, if you will, of the, their, of the ideas of back then of how they were able to infuse these geometrical proportions into the architecture and make it resonate back into reality some way or another. And mm-hmm. I think that the, the ley lines have to do with that. The, the posi- that's why in a lot of grimoires, you know, for example, the, the magic of Aubrey Mellon, you have to have a certain house facing a certain way with a certain number of windows and who talked about spaces and the effect that they had on people. Vitruvius that he's talked about how you mm-hmm. couldn't have a certain room a certain way because it would the feng shui it would mess with the energies and make people feel a certain way. So I believe that the right how the enchantment has been lost in architecture. I believe that these cookie cutter communities, which I live in one, are just that. They are literally just printing these houses one by one by one and the magic has been lost and our own homes are sucking us dry of our energy sometimes and that's the why. The of sorrow, yeah. Exactly. Yes. We're in, we're literally absorbing it all the time plus all the freak, the 5G frequencies, the Wi-Fi, the water in the city is horrible. Like all these things. All Juan, we all know that. We know all that stuff. Come on, bro. You know <laughs> I mean, but, but you, you get what I'm saying, though. Like they, yeah. they, they take it. I, I think that's by design because it, let's let's be honest. Our educational system doesn't teach us about these things. It doesn't it doesn't teach us about this. And our educational system is a Rockefeller byproduct. It's it's meant to enslave. It's meant to not disinform, but just give you enough so you can get by for whatever bullshit reason and be in debt for the rest of your life. And that's it, right? They don't, again, they don't teach us what these numbers meant. They don't teach us what the ancients were talking about. Like, Hey, the number one, or, or the number 10. Thinking about it. like, uh, the, the six, eight and the 12, this is like all even numbers and numbers that are more associated with like etherical type of like sacred geometry or, you know, d- specific toroidal significance, but like odd numbers, like five and seven are like more almost uh, primordial is the right word or like, you know, no, they're, prime, they're literally prime numbers. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I was wondering about that. Cause you know, like I'm like, well, all numbers have significance, right? The Pythagorean goodness, but you know, like you bring up the six, eight and the 12, but where's all the, where's the odd numbers. And so is it divided almost like the, those, like the odd numbers are more kind of derivative towards like man magic and like physical hereness. And then the, because three, six, nine was a Tesla numbers. He was, you know, he said study three, six and nine and you will unlock the mysteries of the universe for free energy kind of situation. So uh, I was just tripping out on that thing. Cause you're the, you're the Pythagorean guy. What's up with, what's up with the odds and the evens? So the odds and the evens, uh, I'm sure I've read somewhere about it, but I want to read this real quick. In Vicino's version of figured numbers, which is a Pythagorean concept, numbers are given a lot of power since every number corresponds with a geometric form, how you were saying. A form does and is everything that a number does and is. So to the Pythagoreans, anything above 10 was just reduced back down to a single digit. So if it was, for example, 13, either one plus four or one plus three equals four or one minus three equals two. So it always goes back to the one through 10. So if you have 222, 
It's six. Two plus two plus two is six. And that's how they, they were able to break down. But yes, there, there was, and I didn't talk about it in our Pythagorean symbolism. Or maybe I did our, the, the episode that we did that forever ago mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. certain numbers, the, the odds and the evens did have, they do play a role. Uh, I'm not remembering what role that was, but yes, there is something to do with the odd and even. I can see, see it be kind of like the, the young, yin, feminine, masculine, just mm-hmm. archetypal type of structure, <clears throat> some sort of Vesca Pisces mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so crazy. Are we going to, are we switching over? Are we doing that? Yeah, I think we should maybe start plugging our stuff uh, for you guys and yeah. then switch over. If I'm like, I want to keep going, but like, we're going to be on a we fucking want to actually roll make this stuff, a, like it will never stop. And I'm sitting on all this stuff about Pythagoras that I want to lay on one. Oh, <laughs> so, so we'll get to that in the second hour, but I want to make a case. I'll try not to be too verbi about it, but in the second hour, I want to make a case for Pythagoras basically being like Jesus of our earlier time in terms of being a, mm. an allegorical character or like ba- more and more akin to the, the Mercury Hermes version of Jesus, but we'll Absolutely. get to that. And, uh, yeah, give us, you know, tell us about what's new on the one-on-one podcast and what you've got going on besides podcasts and, uh, plug your stuff, what you're excited about. And then we need Roman to do the same thing. So the one-on-one podcast.com at the one-on-one podcast on almost all social media platforms. I've been, I started a new show with a local Florida man, old world, Florida. We're going to be doing documentaries. We're going to be doing occulted Florida history and we're going to be talking about these places, but actually going to these places and documenting them and making videos and, have, you know, recording. Uh, it's going to be commentary in real time. So I'm working on that. It's called the the what the fuck did we name the show? I forgot what we named the show. Uh, I'll have to look the name up, but we, we made a show. We're going to be recording very soon and putting out episodes. And then I also have my first, I call it a zine, but I think it's a little bit more serious than a zine, the occultist Monday, the hidden world. And it, this is the first issue, the October, 2022 issue. And it is 24 pages of packed goodness, esoteric goodness of, we have the homunculus, uh, Aristotelian biology, cryptic and cypheric organization of the modern alphabet, which is that's by our homosexual alchemist, uh, Barley Stone, Adrenochrome Unveiled, Biblio Man C, Possessed says by Slick Dissident. And these are our contributors. You can find us there. And we're I mean, actually, I'm pretty upset that I wasn't invited to write an article. <laughs> what the fuck? Everybody's oh, always upset, damn. but the problem dude, I'm was good at writing. I was an English major. I study this stuff. Give me a break, dude. The problem was, dude, <laughs> it's too late. There's no, you can't make it. You don't what? need no excuses. Just keep giving your, what about volume two? You know, I'm butthurt though. Oh, no, that's what I'm oh. saying. This is a collaborative effort and I wanted to first put it out to see. First of all, I had never designed a booklet before. So this is the, the first, the homunculus, the first homunculus and see how it was. And yeah, fr- from here on out, I have my information on there. If anybody wants to submit questions, or an article, you can send it to me on the one one podcast at gmail.com. And so how do I get a copy? What's the best way for people to get a copy? Where's that being sold? On my website, uh, you can go, there's a link there. It'll, it'll send you to the Ko-Fi and you can pick up a copy. And yeah, it's going to be, I uh, hopefully, it, you know, it brings 
I want to keep these esoteric subjects alive and not just, I, I, I don't consider it a zine after the, after the fact, cause it is very, it's educational. I mean, this is real, this is real knowledge. This is real mm-hmm. shit, right? This is real stuff. And I think that a lot of zines get lost with the aesthetic and all this stuff. I, I didn't want that. I wanted straight to the point, you know, occult or esoteric subjects. It's like those old Masonic journals that would circulate around yes yeah, like yeah. the all-seeing eye and so yeah and by, really by having it be a public thing you know for the for the most part then it allows the audience to grow itself organically and naturally so say you write you you write an article in there you know you s- submit it you get it get it going good you're on the next volume okay sweet you know here's your link because we're printing them out ourselves you know putting them in, i got in people hand, hitting me and, up bro I got people hitting me up, like wanting to, like that. I don't even know, like I don't even know who they are. Like I, I was like, dude, I'm. We're not paying anybody. It's a zero. It's zero budget. So back in the could, day, though, dude, this is how people would like wind up writing a book. They would write these type of articles for these journals and for their clubs and societies, together, yeah. and then eventually they're like, wow, I actually have enough to start kind of throwing mm-hmm. a book together and all the <laughs> names of all those contributors. I'd love to see this thing keep rolling and maybe some longer form come out of the brain droppings uh, from their writings to that journal. This is cool, man. Maybe just yeah. call it like a journal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think like I'm going to prestigious. Dub, yeah. Dub it a, 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 a esoteric journal. Like yeah, so. definitely dubbed, <laughs> dubbed off of the all seeing eye, right? Manly penis hall, daddy hall. And <laughs> I, again, I want, I wanted to do something, a different sort of medium. Cause I, nobody's doing this in, in the game. You know what I mean? Like this is different. And I just want to bring. There's probably uh, somebody who, but that we know of, who's doing nobody's bro. Nobody's doing a, a, a journal. I know everybody yeah, in the dude, world. Juan's okay. doing all kinds of shit. Nobody's doing. <laughs> Ain't nobody. <laughs> Let me ever get my comic real quick. Hold on. It's true facts, though. It's true facts. He really. <laughs> oh no! Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Juan, go get your other thing. Give us your plugs, Romy. Um. Okay, so we do have a new show, um, Esoteric America, with. Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy. And this is also, and Chad Stumke, uh, author, researcher, amazing fucking person. If you had Chad, Chad, uh, Chad on your show, Chance. Oh man. I'm the only Chad around here. (laughs) (laughs) You get Chad. I I don't know Chad Chad. yet. I need to get Oh, he's super cool. I heard him, uh, originally on higher side chats, uh, a couple years ago. And he does the, like, you know, the esoteric layout of Detroit. And it blew my mind. It really started actually opening up the floodgate to what we did on Rising from the Ashes as Esoteric America months, you know, syncretism months and everything, the Michael Wan stuff and all that. Sorry, I'm getting my camera to focus. Oh, shit. I was like, okay, I'm stopping. Uh, and so Stop basically, off. Esoteric America, if you guys, we've, you guys can go on YouTube and check out the episodes. It's awesome, amazing individuals that live anywhere in the States that want to look up the history and mysterious history of their town and create a little slideshow and come on the show and talk about it. Cause we're going to create an entire map across the country, having all these people talk about their towns and we can all connect. It's a cool community thing. And man, we've already had, I think seven people just who've never been on podcasts before. They've never been on podcast and they're and they like, crush it. and they crush it and the people fucking love it. And so it's a strictly YouTube Rockfin show. There's that. And of course you guys know rising from the ashes and, uh, 
Dude, that's There's not this- true. I heard Esoteric America on my RSS feed as a podcast. <laughs> oh, it is. No, it's I'm straight like, up like, a real podcast as well. Fucking actually. fake news, bro. Lying hey, man, you can fake news on these nights, eh? But listen up, though. For real, everybody, um, I want to throw out one final plug. All right. This one's from the bottom of my heart. Okay. Um, there are very, 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 very many sacred types of breathing, but you have the <laughs> three part breath, the alternate nostril breathing, the cooling breath, the ocean breath, the humming bee breath, the bellows breath, and against the wave breath. Okay. Look these up. Start breathing so hard that you freak your fucking neighbors out. Start breathing so consciously in the grocery store that people think you're having something wrong with you. Breathe so hard that your consciousness shifts and adrifts into a new millennia. Okay. Time travel and split the physics in its stones. Get your caduceus going, baby. Double Kundalini all the way up. We all deserve protruding pineal glands to see through the voids. And the only way to do that is by connecting with our breaths. Okay. So do that. You're f- welcome. I had Gordy on, bro, and he was doing the Mongolian throat singing he he did it on air and he says that he does that to get into like this meditative state and i'm like dude that's so awesome because you're you're reverberating with with nature right like you get into the state where you're like you start making all these noises yeah. dude, you can heal yourself you can heal yeah dude i've done it i combine it with forks i've like used the fork to help me get my voice to good pitches but there it is man what the chosen one so finally Finally, well, it's not out. The Kickstarters just got there. So I'll be listing this on my website probably next week to start shipping out. But yes, finally, after many delays from the from the shippers and all this stuff, and they they had a paper shortage. Can you believe that there was a paper shortage? So they couldn't print our comic book. <laughs> but we have here the Chosen One versus the Saturnian Cube comic book. And there is me fucking around with a with a with a with a nest occulted relic that was transported into this dimension. I can't give off too much, but here's here is Mark lighting a blunt with his superpowers. I can't wait, man. I'm pretty sure it's in my mailbox just waiting for me to go get it. Yeah, check that out. It'll be on my website. And then we have here Grow Your Own Homunculus. Uh, and inflatable Moloch, if you want to order one of those, the Occult Book Club, check that out. Uh, mag- <laughs> Magic Bullets, so good, though, really turn heads. So we have here different ads. But yeah, it's freaking awesome. And I'll be shipping these out from my website. You can get that on there once I lift, list it on there. And also the Occultist Monday, the Hidden World. So putting out stuff into the ether yep. and into into manifestation art. And I think that art feels synchronicity so i've been synchronistically charged ever since and it feels really good so i'm gonna start breathing really fucking hard yes. and mongolian throat singing while i'm shopping in the <laughs> at Publix or something <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what the fuck is up with this guy <laughs> Wait, sorry i'm just trying to emanate my vw bug no yeah, but the, the the singing and chanting also ties into what Higher rituals of magic. Yep. Exactly. In the architecture. <laughs> so that's what you guys are going to check out in the second hour. So y'all better know what's good and get this rest of the, you guys better go over rock for you. Feel me? <laughs> guys, it's been a blast. I know we're going to just really crush the second hour. So thanks for being here and everybody make sure you hit up rising from the ashes for more Romy. 
one-on-one podcast, the one-on-one podcast for more of our homunculologists. I'm going to get naked in the second hour. Is that all right? <laughs> Whatever you got to do is, you know, just keep the below the waist off camera and I'm fine with it. All right, bro. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you on the other side. The Fallacies. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you had a good time. It's always a hoot and a holler with Juan and Romy. You know, it's like way more fun to do podcasts with your friends. You can't always pick the same people, but in terms of like laughs, this one's up there. (laughs) But the gravy was thick. Now, I'm going to be a bit brief with the outro here. It was already a humongous episode. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew the rundown of what was in the extended hour and a half. So this was a huge one, three hours total in terms of the interview in the two segments. And I do hope you guys are interested in signing up for the extended content if you're not already a member. Huge thanks to everybody who already is. But really think about like the reciprocity here. (laughs) I'm not trying to like put you on a guilt trip if you're not a supporter. It's fine if you just listen to the free stuff. But in the last seven days, I will have put out like I don't know, 10 plus hours of free content. And I'm only asking for reciprocity to unlock this last little, last little bit, like an hour and a half, which is a lot. We get into so much. So I hope you guys will consider. It's really great to have that energetic channel of like, you support me. I support you with the podcast that you love. And it's awesome. So you can do that on Rockfin or Patreon. You can find the links to both of those in the show notes. Patreon's five bucks a month. You get everything I've ever put on Patreon, including an RSS feed for an audio only version of the show that you can plug into your favorite podcast player. And for the Rockfin side, you get to unlock everybody's premium content on the whole network, including our homie Juan. The one-on-one podcast has some Rockfin exclusive content as well, I'm sure. So... What did we talk about in the plus extension? I got into some discussion about the allegory of Pythagoras, like who he is in terms of mythologically speaking, astrotheologically speaking. We discussed the body as a temple, that creation of a fractal. You know, the body is the temple and the temple as a body. We discussed uh, localized surface plasmon resonance with the artifacts known as the Lycurgus cup which demonstrates that nanoparticles were a technology that the ancients were aware of in utilizing. 
Fascinating. And then we talked about the musical fifth and architectural consciousness enhancing sigils built into stone. And this is really cool. Uh, I'm going to touch on that again in a second. And Juan walked us through the concept of the chapel perilous and the mundus imaginalis. Then we discussed technology of scrying and how that may be related to architectural enlightenment enhancement technologies. We discussed entity summoning rituals that utilize the human aura as a portal. Ooh. Then the apotheosis of George Washington. Have you heard of that? We looked at this incredible fresco at the United States Capitol building rotunda. It's humongous, which demonstrates the entire theory that astrotheology is applied to historical characters to deify them. And that probably demonstrates that our history is not necessarily trustworthy as accurate real life. What happened and more along the lines of a mythology portraying history. Then uh, Roman talked about invisibility cloaking technology. Very fascinating stuff. And that's just like a teaser. In an hour and a half, of course, we talked about way more than that. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a rundown of what's there. And I'm excited about doing this conversation about architecture, which has been called Frozen Music. Because the next Interverse episode, Get Your Biscuits Ready, is going to be about the structure of music in the occult sense. Applying it to astrology looking at the chromatic scale as possibly a transhumanism thing, like in a bad way, not necessarily the chromatic scale itself, but like the way it's been utilized in modern music, possibly being stepping stones towards the removal of the, the Trinity and the creation of like the roboticized man. Fascinating stuff. If you would like uh, more preview of this music talk, go over to George Mesa's channel called uh, third eye edify and he's done an awesome video on 440 it's called like 440 hertz uh, like h-u-r-t-s where he gives a preview of what he's discussing in the recording we already did for interverse which will be coming out next week so i hope you do check all that stuff out and i would love to catch up with people at music and sky festival coming up on october 13th it's two weeks away i couldn't be more excited we're going to have such a good time down in Southern California, the Kuyama Valley, this huge festival being, I mean, not huge, like in terms of size, but huge in terms of energy. <laughs> this amazing festival being thrown by Mike Winter of Alpha Vedic. Going to be a lot of great people there. And including like many of your uh, teachers and heroes of the podcasting world of alternative science and health. Yeah, I'm so excited. So I'd love to see you there. One of my recent clients from Florida who did a sound healing with me said he's going to be traveling all the way there. So like, you know, if he can come from Florida, what's your excuse? <laughs> I'm making a pretty big journey myself to come from Missouri all the way out there. Now I'm going to play us out with a track by the homie Romy. Uh, I made up a title for it. It's not really, it didn't really have a title, but he makes music all the time, which is super admirable. And in fact, I admire that about both Ron, uh, Ron, Ron and Yomi. <laughs> Juan and Roman are both extremely creative people who make all kinds of stuff outside of just podcasts. And I really admire that. And I strive to do the same and keep a lot of other projects flowing besides just this main thing. And yeah, for sure, make sure you're checking out the one-on-one -on -one podcast and Rising from the Ashes, both of their podcasts so that you can get more of their awesome vibes. And I appreciate them so much as bros and friends and uh, colleagues in this strange conspiratorial spiritual podcasting realm that we find ourselves in 
Now, I appreciate you for tuning in. And I had to cut the intro short. I need to get this thing cranking in terms of production, but it was already a long episode, so I'm sure you get it. Love you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the outro music, and I will see you on the next episode. Definitely check out Third Eye Edify on YouTube and that 440 Hertz episode if you want to warm up your earballs for the ideas that we're going to be presenting next time about music. And I will catch you guys on the flip. Much love. Bye-bye.